This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for December 21st. Today we celebrate Saint Peter Canisius. Blessed with many talents, today's saint is an excellent example of a scriptural person who develops those gifts for the sake of the Lord's work. Born in 1521, Peter became one of the most important figures of the Catholic Counter-Reformation in Germany. He is often called the Second Apostle of Germany, after St. Boniface. He taught in several universities and was instrumental in establishing many colleges and seminaries. As a young man, Peter joined the recently formed Society of Jesus. Following his ordination, he gained fame as a preacher. He packed churches with his eloquent proclamation of the gospel. He also possessed great diplomatic skills. He produced a catechism that explained the Catholic faith in a way common people could understand. His letters, filling eight volumes, contain words of wisdom and counsel to people in all walks of life. Through Peter, many lapsed Catholics returned to the church, while many Protestants converted. He also found time to visit the sick and imprisoned. During a plague in Vienna in 1551, he worked tirelessly to help the sick. Peter Canisius died in 1597. At his canonization in 1925, he was also declared a doctor of the church. The new Saint of the Day app is available now for your smartphone or tablet. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. Papal elections are perhaps the most interesting element of the history of the popes. Truth is stranger than fiction is not just a saying, but a fact when it comes to how popes have been elected. And nowhere is that more true than with Pope St. Fabian. Though the ancient story has some uncertain details, in essence it goes like this. After the death of Pope Antarius in 236, the clergy of Rome assembled together to elect a new bishop, only to see among the crowds of pilgrims coming into the city a simple layman who suddenly had a dove land on his head. The priests of Rome saw this as a certain sign that this man was chosen by the Holy Spirit, so they elected the layman with the dove immediately. He became Pope Saint Fabian, who shares the feast day with the popular Saint Sebastian and is buried in the same catacombs. This has been your Papal Minute. To learn more, visit papalartifacts.com. That is papalartifacts.com. Let us run to Mary and as her little children cast ourselves into our arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross, joined by Father Jason Leffer, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, coming to you from our Grand Fork Studios. One hour already in the can, as they say in the business, and we're about to launch into uh, some wonderful conversations here in the second hour. And uh, we were talking about the... Um, uh, the, the busyness of this time of year, these final Advent uh, weekdays, the um, the use of the O antiphons as we are uh, uh, coming into um, the celebration of Christmas, just uh, on on deck, and um, how the um, the song O Come O Come Emmanuel 
presents those antiphons in a very poetic way as well. So that's something that uh, a lot of you are gaining from your local experience and your parishes is what we are what we're doing too. The, the fulfillment of the prophecies. We're we're in the we're in the fullness of time season yep, right now. Yep, yep, yep. So we heard about, uh, yeah, we heard about uh, the birth of young Samson yesterday, and we'll hear about the birth of young Samuel tomorrow. And you, you, you know, you were talking about the Song of Songs last hour. Well, it's the Blessed Virgin Mary brings Christ across the hills. See, he doesn't have his own feet yet, but here he is leaping across Yes, the hills yes. So she travels yeah. to the hill country in yep. haste, yes, um, in, uh, in an act of great charity. So all things Catholic. Indeed, and that's a wonderful segue into our next discussion as we have with us a, um, a celebrated author by the name of Dr. Helen Hoffner. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you. Uh, let's just go ahead and begin by uh, introducing yourself to our listening audience. Give us a little bit of your background. Well, I'm a professor at Holy Family University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I was fortunate to have a very strong Catholic education, Catholic elementary school and high school. I was a teacher in a Catholic elementary school and, and now teaching at a Catholic university. And as much as I thought I had a strong education, when I got to be an adult, I learned so many surprising things, and that's really what led me to writing the book. As an adult, my mother was doing research on the rosary, and I always thought, well, there's pretty red beads and pretty blue beads, and I thought they were all similar, that they all had five decades. And the more my mother was researching, I learned all the varieties that are approved by the Catholic Church. So that led to my mother and I writing a book together called The Rosary Collector's Guide. And then when we were taking our rosaries exhibit to various universities and churches, people would tell me stories about their own family traditions. And that led me to write another book called Catholic Traditions and Treasures. And that book explores some of the background of, like, why do we do things like bury a statue of St. Joseph when we want to sell a house? Or why is St. Anthony the saint that we pray to if something is lost? Mm -hmm. And after that book was published, people were telling me more and more traditions and stories. And Catholicism everywhere just came about because I was learning so many fascinating things that I thought all of us should really be proud of our Catholic heritage. And I wanted to share these things because it makes us proud of our heritage and also gives us a connection to say, everything you do in life can be a prayer. We and we can set this... I, I was sorry about that, Doctor. I was just going to set this up by saying that um, your upcoming book, Catholicism Everywhere, which really has whetted our interest, uh, speaking on behalf of Father Leffer, is uh, to be released in February, published by Sophia Institute Press. And so we're going to be giving people a sneak preview on some of the things that uh, we're talking about. Now, uh, if you could just tell us about the the concept of you know the idea the the theme behind the book um where did that uh, come from has that been percolating kind of within you for a long time yeah it really has and my colleagues at holy family a lot of times they'll say something like your work can be your prayer everything you do for students is you're doing it as, as part of your prayer life so with that idea in mind i was thinking about things that i would discover like i discovered in the research for this book it was actually a pope in the 16th century who gave permission for Christians to drink coffee when other world leaders wanted to ban it. So my idea was like everything from the time you get up and have your first cup of coffee in the morning until you relax after work and go fishing, there's a connection to a, a Catholic thought in almost everything you do. So Dr. Hoffner, why would, why would we want to ban coffee? What, what is so dangerous about coffee that we would want to ban coffee? 
And, you know, we can laugh about it today, but in the 16th century, they thought it was very addictive. And the world leaders wanted the Pope to condemn it. He took a sip and actually issued an edict saying that coffee was an acceptable drink for Christians. Then Okay, so then how, how about um, cappuccino? Where, where does cappuccino come from? And that's a funny one, too. That was actually during one of the one of a battle some monks who had gone after their after their area had been destroyed they found some coffee beans and they wanted to make some coffee but it came out extremely strong and it just came out really strong so they added a lot of milk and some lightnings to it and when it was ready they thought it looked like the light brown like the color monk that the Capu- that the capuchin monks wore and it got the name cappuccino because coffee that was light colored like that reminded them of the, of the capuchin monks robes so now, okay. So you said you start you start all the way from the morning till evening. Well, could you could you walk us through the day? What what are some of the Catholicism everywhere stories that start in the morning and take us through the day? What what would be next on the agenda of uh, something we'd want to know? So after you have your morning cup of coffee and you sit down at your computer to read your email, it was actually a nun, Sister Mary Kenneth Keller, who was one of the founders of the basic computer language way back in the 60s when very few people were talking computers, Sister Mary Kenneth Keller had an interest in science and mathematics and got special permission to attend Dartmouth College when they didn't even accept women. And her research took notice of people who were working on computers and invited her to participate in developing BASIC. So you sit down your computer and you can do that because of Sister Mary Kenneth Keller. We're talking on the radio right now. Everyone gives credit to Marconi for radio signals. But there was actually a priest in my home state of Pennsylvania, Father Joseph Mercus in Wilkes-Barre, who developed a musical tone system for sending signals really at about the same time as Marconi. Marconi had a system, but Mar- Father Mercus' system could broadcast much further. And he actually gave his patents to Marconi. Marconi went from Italy to visit Father Mercus in Pennsylvania. Do you know what prompted him to, to surrender such a valuable thing to Marconi? People asked him that later in life, that he certainly could have made money on it if he was inclined that way. And he, in his papers, he said he felt that his health was very poor, and he didn't know how much longer he would be in this world. And he wanted radio to go on, and he trusted Marconi. And Marconi actually did go back and help establish Vatican Radio, so... Marconi did do a lot of good with it. And here we're, we're sitting broadcasting to, mm-hmm. I mean, Catholic Radio has become one of the most effective tools of evangelization uh, across the and world. And yet right I now. have to say, Father Leffer, I feel a little bit depressed, you know, what am I doing with my downtime, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, this, 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 this is wonderful. We are visiting with Dr. Helen Hoffner, uh, who's a member of the faculty of Holy Family University in uh, suburban Philadelphia, and uh, talking about her upcoming book, Catholicism Everywhere. Um, we just have a couple of minutes before uh, we have to step aside for a break here. Um, is there another uh, like anecdote that really jumps out at you that uh, uh, came up among the various things that you were researching for this book? Well, I think the funny part is we're laughing about uh, how do we spend our time when these people are doing so much. Father Mercus, who invented the, the patents for radio, he's also the person who invented the spinning wheel that's used on fishing rods. So... So he wasn't just a serious scientist. I mean, he actually knew how to have leisure in his life as well. Yeah. 
So yeah, how does one go? How does one go about inventing the the spinning wheel for a fishing rod? <laughs> you know, today he would probably go on Shark Tank and sell his idea. I think he just <laughs> thought of a better mousetrap. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, this is a, about a 140-some page book. Are you envisioning this to be something like a, a coffee table item, you know, that people would have um, in, in the living room of their homes? How do you envision people really, uh, you know, using or maybe gifting uh, this book to others? It is a handy book to have on the coffee table. It's a handy book for people who have to prepare programs. If you're preparing a program for a sodality group or religious education group, Everything is written in very short snippets, so that you can just read a little paragraph about this priest who invented a fishing rod, or did you know that the Mayo Clinic started in a convent? Little snippets that you could use when you're planning religious programs. Fantastic, and, and of course, Christmas. yes, yes, and uh, one of the dioceses in which our signal is broadcast is the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, and uh, the Mayo Clinic has been making news so, recently because of an enormous uh, building projects that so they have So it sounds like on. on the other side of the break, we'll need to hear how the Mayo Clinic came about in a convent. We definitely will have to hear about that, and, and I have a special attachment to this because one of my aunts was a chaplain in the Mayo Clinic system for quite a few years, and uh, sadly she passed on here this uh, summer, uh, Marianne Weigel, but it is a great, uh, it is a great testament to the, the work that they do. So there are a lot of different stories that we'll give, give people a, um, a sneak preview, a, a taste of in this interview, and we'll continue on with Dr. Helen Hoffner on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Press. Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo De Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The Reasonableness of the Universe. The more we know of the universe, the more profoundly we are struck by a reason whose ways we can only contemplate with astonishment. In pursuing them, we can see anew that creating intelligence to whom we owe our own reason. Albert Einstein once said that in the laws of nature there is revealed such a superior reason that everything significant which has arisen out of human thought and arrangement is, in comparison with it, the merest empty reflection. We see revealed a powerful reason that holds the universe together, and we are penetrating ever deeper into what is smallest, into the cell and into the primordial units of life. Physics and biology and the natural sciences in general have given us a new and unheard of creation account with vast new images which let us recognize the face of the Creator and which make us realize once again that at the very beginning and foundation of all being there is a creating intelligence. The universe is not the product of darkness and unreason. It comes from intelligence, freedom, and from the beauty that is identical with love. Seeing this gives us the courage to keep on living, and it empowers us, comforted thereby, to take upon ourselves the adventure of life. 
This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross, joined by Father Jason Leffer, priest of the Diocese of Fargo. It's great to have you with us today, whatever you're up to. Maybe you're running errands in the vehicle or have the radio tuned in at work. There are a lot of different ways to receive our content here in Real Presence Radio, and we like to remind you of our website, realpresenceradio.com, which is the place to go in order to uh, get uh, archived uh, episodes of Real Presence Live. A lot of you have the app downloaded and may be listening to us that way. Uh, you can also submit prayer requests and see other prayer requests that fellow uh, brothers and sisters throughout our network have submitted to be joining with them in prayer. So all of that is available at realpresenceradio.com. We're visiting with Dr. Helen Hoffner, whose upcoming book, Catholicism Everywhere, is going to give us a great look at things that we may not realize were uh, inspired by the church and um, we're going to get into more of these specific examples in a moment but I wanted to find out a little bit more uh, about you uh, Dr. Hoffner in terms of um, what other areas you've been uh, writing and studying about just kind of as, as an example of um, uh, of the work that you've been doing in literature. I like to do research on Catholic religious articles the origin of them and one thing I've been working on now is the cross you know we know the basic Greek cross and the Latin cross but I've been examining various variations so that if people find an unusual cross in their grandparents attic or they just come across something they would know the history they would understand what's the San Damiano and the varieties of crosses like the uh, flag of New Mexico has the Zia that was a Native American symbol so that's one thing I'm really interested in researching now, just the variety of crosses around the world. Interesting, yes. There's, and there is quite a variety, to be sure. <laughs> do, do you think, will there be a second volume to Catholicism everywhere? Is that kind of in the works, or it, will it be, do you think you'll head more towards the maybe a book about crosses? I really think there'll be a second volume to Catholicism everywhere, because the, the book is being published it's going to come out in february and now that it's been put to bed i keep finding even more great things that i wish i had wish i had time to include so maybe there'll be a second volume well how can we can we hit some of the most unique things like is there something about submarines maybe yeah that is really fun to think that that had a catholic origin to it there was a man named john p holland who his father was in the coast guard but he had poor health and knew that he could not have a career on the sea but he went to schools that were run by the Christian brothers, and he always had this fascination with the sea. And as a teenager, he would draw these, what we would call submarines, ships going under the water. And of course, people thought that was silly and thought that something like that will never happen, because we're talking the 1800s. Well, around 1873, he left Ireland, and for a time he joined the Christian brothers, but then decided that was not the right road for him. But he always had this thought about submarines. He actually sent his ideas to the United States Navy that thought this was just a silly idea and didn't do anything with it. And 10, 20 years after his original mailings to the Navy, the Navy contacted him and said, like, what was this idea you had in mind? 
So it was John P. Holland, who was educated in schools run by the Christian Brothers, or the Christian Brother himself for a time, who submitted his ideas to the Navy. In late 1800s, the Navy started using his ideas to develop the very first submarines. Isn't that something? Yeah, and, and a lot of people who would style themselves as military historians, for example, may have no idea of that particular uh, chapter of the history. Well, can we can we go back and revisit the Mayo Clinic? And yes, and yes, because there are a great many people from our listening area who go to the Mayo Clinic and its headquarters in Rochester, Minnesota, for specialized medical care. So there's there's a story about that place in your book as well, correct? And that's my favorite in the book, because I think that really shows what the Catholic Church has done for the world. August 21st, 1883, there was a tornado, and the mayor of the town was actually William Mayo. He was the mayor of Rochester, Minnesota, but he was also a doctor. So when the tornado struck and there were so many injured people, he wanted to have one place that he could help as many of the, the injured as possible. So he went to the convent, because he thought, well, the convent was the biggest building in town. And he asked Mother Alfred Lloyds if he could use the convent to bring the, the uh, injured and treat them all in one place. So, of course, she gave permission, and many of the nuns helped with nursing care, and they used the convent to care for everyone who was injured in a tornado. Well, after the emergency was over and the people were able to go back to their homes, Mother Mose thought, well, gee, there's absolutely no hospital in town, no hospital anywhere close to people. What would ever happen if we had another emergency? We need to be prepared. So Mother Mose went back to... Dr. Mayo, who's still the mayor of Rochester, and she said to him, if you as a doctor would provide the medical services, maybe help us recruit more doctors, our order, the Sisters of St. Francis, will provide the money to start a hospital. And Mother Mose really thought this town needs a hospital. The Sisters of St. Francis are willing to put up the money. So Dr. Mayo became the the first, the original doctor of, of the clinic. His sons were also doctors. And the whole system of the Mayo Clinic really started from Mother Mose and the Sisters of St. Francis saying, this town needs a hospital, let's do something about it. And from there we have a, a, a huge uh, corporation that has uh, locations in numerous other places, but in their main campus, anybody who has been there knows the number of blocks that it takes up and the tens of thousands of people employed in any different level of it. And wonderful story. So we, we hit a number of priests who have been influential and Catholicism everywhere. How about continuing on with the religious sisters? Isn't, isn't there somebody who was very instrumental in starting the Alcoholics Anonymous? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing what some of the sisters have done. So Sister Mary Ignatia, and we're talking many, many years ago, when many people looked upon those dealing with alcoholism in a very negative way, just really didn't take time for them. Well, Sister Mary Ignatia, she was the registrar of a hospital in Akron, Ohio. It was St. Thomas Hospital. And she really thought there was a medical basis to alcoholism. She thought it wasn't just a behavior issue. She thought there was some medical link here. So she started studying patients who would come by the hospital, and she approached a doctor who was named Dr. Robert Smith. He's known as Dr. Bob in the lore of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she told him about her ideas that she thought there was a medical basis to alcoholism. Well, Sister Mary Ignatius, she actually started a medical wing in St. Thomas's Hospital to help people with alcoholism way before anybody else in the country was doing that in hospitals. She got her wing started. She started all kinds of treatment programs. She was really the 
the organizer, the basis behind it. Dr. Bob helped in the medical aspects, but she got that going in St. Thomas Hospital in Akron, and then she started a second branch at St. Vincent Charity Hospital in Cleveland. She even started giving out little Sacred Heart medallions that are similar to the tokens that are used in Alcoholics Anonymous today. But I, there's I something... Like to, yeah, I always like to point out to people like um, why like the 12-step, why it's so effective, it works so well, but it if you if you look at it with just an obvious eye of the Catholic faith, you'll you'll see the whole Catholic principle of the life of conver- ongoing conversion is right from top to bottom in the in the twelve steps, and and I think it's just it's solidly Christian in its in its approach to the human person and and the addiction, and I I think so I think that's why like you know the grace of the Holy Spirit really does come upon that that particular thing in a very powerful way. And so here we here we see. Uh, the yes. origins of it. Yep. The uh, name of the book is Catholicism Everywhere uh, by Dr. Helen Hoffner. Uh, we just have a, a couple more minutes uh, with you here. Um, let's hear about some of the things that people do in terms of leisure activities. You know, with Christmas uh, coming up, a lot of families will be getting together and they'll be playing various board games and other things like that. Can you tell us about how some of those have a specific Catholic origin to them? Yeah, Monopoly was about the most famous board game in the world. The late 1800s, there really were Parker Brothers. We hear about the Parker Brothers Corporation today. Mm-hmm. So George Parker and his two brothers, they tried different ideas to see what would work. And around 1929, they wanted something that would brighten spirits of people dealing with the depression and so forth. And they came out with this game, and at one time they called it the Banker Game, and then someone got the idea of Monopoly. So they had this great idea for a game, but... They weren't able to make game boards fast enough. They needed to have their factory going 24-7 to really get the games out there. But they were in Massachusetts, around the Archdiocese of Boston, and the people were very serious about not working on Sundays, honoring the family. So the Parker brothers actually went to the bishop and said, could you encourage people to work on Sundays and how this would bring prosperity to the town? So they did that, and the Archdiocese, Diocese of Boston actually sent out notices that it would be permissible to work in the Parker Brothers factory on Sundays, attend Mass, and then go work in the factory, and that will help you support your families and bring prosperity to the town. So Monopoly probably would not have been a success if they weren't able to keep their factories open at the right time to get the game moving. I, I'm uh, Dr. Helen, I'm being scandalized. <laughs> <laughs> that was an unexpected twist. Yeah. <laughs> We also talk about, uh, you know, chess and, and, and a lot of the references, you know, with uh, the bishop being one of the game pieces. Uh, what can you share with us about that? Well, chess has gone back and forth out of favor. There was a time when it was declared something that Catholics should never do. In fact, one priest even wrote to the Pope to say, I saw a priest playing chess in public, and you need to really reprimand them. They were just horrified to find the priest would sit at a game board in public. So until 1299, Catholic priests were forbidden to play chess, and it was considered evil for everyone. Well, by, that was 1299, it was forbidden. By 1420, Catholic clergymen started to see chess as a way to develop your concentration. Even Pope Leo X was known to be an enthusiastic chess player. In the late 1500s, it said that St. Teresa of Avila encouraged people to learn the game. She thought it would teach, give self-discipline. So we went from 1299 chess being considered totally evil. The 1960s, Pope Paul VI was saying 
children should learn chess so they can do something peaceful rather than enemies when they meet people from other countries. So it's interesting how chess went back and forth from being condemned to later on some of the saints encouraging it. Wow. Well, I tell you what, folks, if these stories don't whet your appetites, I don't know what will. So uh, Dr. Helen Hoffner, uh, the book is entitled Catholicism Everywhere. It is uh, set to be uh, released in February, and we uh, are very grateful for the opportunity not only to visit with you today, but to uh, hear about uh, some of the stories that you uh, chronicle in this book. So uh, blessings to you and your work, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Oh, thank you. Merry Christmas to all your listeners. Thank you. Yes, indeed. So we we uh, were sampling some wisdom from the East Coast, and we're bringing things right back into our backyard as we are about to uh, hear a, a wonderful story with some guests that we have uh, here in studio uh, about uh, the gift of life and uh, giving thanks to God for that great gift. So we'll launch into that story after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Youmary.edu. That's youmary.edu. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad. And then my mom, she also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the, the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. I want to share with fellow business owners how underwriting Real Presence Radio has been a tremendous blessing to our clinic. Supporting Real Presence Radio as an underwriter allows me to support the mission and work of the new evangelization and also helps us spread the word about Catholic patient-centered eye care in the Fargo-Moorhead area. We've seen a huge return on investment with new patients who found out about Lumen Vision through RPR. If you're a business owner, I'd highly encourage you to consider underwriting Real Presence Radio. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of RPR, and I hope you will be too. <laughs> 